for episode 124 of Friends of Film, a podcast that relates news and releases in the movie world. On this episode, we'll cover Mission Impossible Fallout's new trailer, Star Wars spin-off updates, Zombieland 2 possibly hitting theaters next year, and more after we review Deadpool 2. As always, I'm your host, Kubrick, once again joined by a man who wants to go to Chicago next April for a very specific reason, Josh oh, Straley. Oh, yes, I do. Star Wars Celebration is not in a foreign country. It's not on the West Coast. <laughs> it's in the middle America, Cooper, Chicago. <laughs> yeah, it's like three hours away. <laughs> it is. It is literally an afternoon drive mm-hmm. away from us. And I am so stoked. It's all but a sure thing I'm going to go. Really? I, I am pretty positive. Like what? All five days? I don't know about all five days. That's the that's the thing. Ooh. Five days is a lot. And it's not um, like they even did you any favors. Like, oh, I can take this whole week off. It starts on like a Thursday and ends on the next Monday. Mm. So it's like a really, it's a really weird schedule, Lucasfilm. Honestly, I don't know what you're doing. I'll leave early, but I'll be there for the episode nine trailer reveal. Right. And so I can get that free poster. That's true. If they do it the same way as episode eight. I would assume so. I mean, they even give away, I think, free posters for like, well, I guess there wasn't one for Solo. Uh, but they all been, I think even if, even though Monday is the last day. Right. I feel like if you if you go Thursday, mm-hmm. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, leave Sunday night, you'll you'll get the most. Unless, I mean, unless they save like the the big epic panel for Monday just to keep people there. Oh, that'd be terrible. Uh, be so I, think, I think their typical pattern is mm-hmm. start with a bang and then, you know, fizzle out. Yeah, for sure. And it'll be like the culmination of everything and it's so close. I feel like I, I feel like it's destiny for me to get there. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I am all about it. Tickets are on sale in early June. The June 4th, 5th? 5th? Yeah, one I of think, those two. I think it's the fifth. Yeah, for sure. But but hey, everyone, um, don't forget, you can get all of our latest updates on Facebook and Twitter at Friends in Film. And be sure to check out the rest of our shows on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And if you can, on iTunes, leave us a review. It really helps. Yeah, and be sure to head over to our website, friendsoffilm.wordpress.com, where you guys will find written reviews for us, uh, as well as what we say here on the podcast, such as Josh Straley's written review for Deadpool 2, yes. because you know he's going to kick us off this week Ooh. and talking about the sequel. Josh, what did you think? I thought it w- sequels are hard to do, especially when you have a gimmick, a, a gimmical character like Deadpool. Mm-hmm. But this this does it, and it does it really well. And I... And I want to step back real quick and say, the first Deadpool was small, contained, and very niche. So when you double the budget and you give them all sorts of things to play with, and you go forward, you get something really you get something really special. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel too out of line or too crazy or over the top again. And that's where that's why Deadpool works so well. Um, the, the comedy is, is the same, but the jokes are just as good, especially in wake of all of the other superhero (laughs) films that have come out. Um, especially justice league. Yeah. Uh, that seems to be one of the, one of the bigger, uh, things they seem to punch. Um, and then the slate of rated R films that are coming out Mm -hmm. around there. There's some good lamentations from Deadpool about that. Uh, and so it's all just as funny because it's, He's no longer 
the redheaded stepchild like of the bunch or the black sheep. How about that? Right. I don't want to offend redheads. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, he's not the black sheep anymore. And the studio's just like, all right, here's all these resources. Go have fun. And Deadpool is, you know, Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool, David Leach, uh, Reese and Warnick. Warnick are having fun with that. And it just shows so well. Um, but the, the thing that I loved the most is the additions of Julian Dennelson, Josh Brolin, and Zazie Beetz. Like, I think those are the three core additions to this mm-hmm. movie that just blow it wide open. Because early on when it's just Deadpool and we're um, kind of rehashing what he's been up to, mm-hmm. it's cool. But then you're like, oh, I'm not really too invested at that point yet. Yeah. But then Cable shows up. Or no, I'm sorry. Well, then Dennison shows up. Mm-hmm. Then Cable shows up. And then Zazie comes in. And you get this like, chemical mixture of all these different people interacting for the first time and it's just like oh this is this is so great um i mean especially like i can't say enough about how great dennison is in this character uh, uh as russell yes aka Firefist. exactly which i thought was kind of funny that they called him russell and i keep kept thinking up the entire yeah. time i was surprised no one like made them one of those jokes i felt like it was ripe for the in picking. the movie yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, they're going to do it now. When is he going to call him up or something like that? And they're like, no, it didn't happen. But anyway, his, his, him, I just love that kid so much. Yeah. I don't know why, but he's, his enthusiasm, like, is bleeding out of all the roles that he's done. And it's just like, and then they brought back, like, his, his um, reverence for rap and, like, Tupac mm-hmm. and things like that that you can see him from Hunt for the Wilder People. It was just so good. I was waiting for them to drop the Scrux Life reference because <laughs> oh, yes. he's like, oh, I love the gangster life. And I'm like, come on, come on, just say it. Yeah. Somebody say it. They, they didn't, unfortunately. Especially, yeah, like, they, 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 they his character's written rather loosely mm-hmm. um, in a lot of ways, but his arc is so cool um, and how it sort of updates or not brings to the front the X-Men's original premise in a lot of ways. Um, and we can talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. But then there's Dazzy Beats, who, I mean, if you don't already love her from Atlanta, somehow, some way, she basically wins the movie and she's in only the last 45 minutes yeah practically something like that it was in, it was an incredibly small role and there's probably like 10 to 15 minutes of screen time yeah it was it was it was it was a ridiculously small part from or at least from what i was expecting mm-hmm. but then somehow i left that movie going i think zazie was probably the best part of everything and she's just she is so incredibly charismatic um and if they're not working on some kind of vehicle for her going forward outside of X-Force. Right. Uh, they're they're insane. But I mean, of course, they've got the Disney thing looming over, so who knows <laughs> like where that's going to go. Um, but then also, David Leach in the director's seat, running the action, running the show there. Oh, every, every superhero franchise should just hire that man as a consultant. I mean, they may not always work, depending on what you're trying to accomplish. Right. But... It just stepped it up. I mean, him and Stahelski were uh, second unit directors on Civil War and on the airport fight and everything. And yes. The action Civil War is possibly the best in the MCU. Absolutely. A, a thousand percent. And it, it just shows. And it really comes out in the final battle um, is where we get to see uh, the f- 
you know, it's the culmination of everything that they've mm-hmm. worked for. And it is really spectacular. Uh, the slow-mo, um, some of the, there's a time travel element there too <laughs> that works out really cool. And yeah, it, it, it really, really works. Um, but I don't have all praise for it. Okay. I do have a couple digs and it is bigger. It is better. And that Fox Fox's belief in this movie, it kind of goes a little bit too far in some ways. I kind of feel like they're less of a target this time of around. Yeah. And as like a big kid on the block, it gets wrapped up in its own story this time more mm-hmm. so than it is to be like, yeah, we don't really care. Like, or it, there was a, oh, there was a reckless abandon to the first film mm-hmm. that this one doesn't have. This one's much more, oh, we've got to tell a franchisable Deadpool story. Right. Or tie up some, tie up some loose ends, things of that nature. And it gets lost in, in the weeds a little bit, especially in the first half. I understand it's character set up, but at the same time, um, we lose it there. Some of the jokes were a little. Not, I wouldn't say too meta because that's what he is, but mm-hmm. they were they were Fox saying, oh, wouldn't this be funny if you get to do this with all of the money we're giving you now? Right. Give that a shot. Or d- put this here so there's synergy and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, so there was less skewer- skewering on that end this time around. I was like, oh, maybe they're, the, the edge was dulled a little bit. And, but that, but that's it. I mean, that, that's really all I have to say, like negative about um, this movie. Uh, it's really cool uh, to see, you know, Ryan Reynolds's efforts pay off, you know, like this kind of way. Um, so all in all, I'll shut up now <laughs> and give it four and a half out of five ticket stubs. Okay. It's really something special to see. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'll echo what you said about Zazie Beats. I thought she was easily the MVP of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would love to see Domino spinoff in any capacity, uh, Domino series, whatever I can do to get me more Zazie Beats as Domino because uh, I thought her, uh, the way they brought her powers to life, just being lucky, I thought was the the, the, the best thing about the movie because yeah. they're just like, no matter what happens to her, you know she's going to be safe. <laughs> but you're still just like, how is she going to get out of this one? And <laughs> right. just like the most ridiculous stuff sometimes. Like, oh, this bookcase is going to fall down right mm-hmm. on cue. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's that's very lucky. <laughs> or this gun is going to get jammed. And it's just like the very – it's like the most kind of like cliche like, oh, of course, this is going to happen sort of thing that you'd get in like a typical action movie. Because like, oh, yeah. the hero's going to get saved, right. you know, by some coincidence. But it's like, <laughs> no, that's that's her power. So I thought they, that worked really well. Yeah. Um, I, I liked – obviously, I mean, Ryan Reynolds is a great Deadpool. Him back mm-hmm. in the role – Flawless Cable as Josh Josh Brolin as Cable. I thought he was great as well. Um, Leech his the way he I think he turned this more into an action movie than a comedy. Yeah, in my opinion. Um, and I thought the, for me the action stood out to me more than the comedy did. I I think like you said some of the comedy falls flat. Um, some jokes go on a bit too long. Um, that you're just like okay I, I get the gag. Yeah. Wrap it up. I'm, <laughs> I'm ready to move on. They're not. Um, but all, I mean, the Cable's entrance, his first action scene is like a, it's a mini one take that like it, it, it lasts longer than I think the typical, you know, action set piece would go mm-hmm. because it's like Leech is get, using, you know, his eyes, a director yeah. um, and his background with stunts and everything to get Cable that introduction to be like, all right, this, this guy is not to be messed with. Right. Super menace. Um, 
I do think though that this movie, like you said, it kind of pulled some punches. I think it, it pulled some punches on itself a little bit because I was expecting more like sequelitis commentary of like, Oh, we got to go bigger. We got to go bad or we mm-hmm. got to do this. We got to do this. Um, we got to set up for future movies. And like, yeah. they didn't really make those jokes that much. And I was like, that's, that, that, that didn't seem right to me. Like I like that first Deadpool movie, it makes fun of the super origin movies. It makes fun of like the traditional, like heroic journey and everything. Yep. And then this one, it's like, it doesn't really make fun of what Wade is doing. Most of the movie, it makes fun of like, Oh, you made this reference, or I'm going to call you this name yeah. and to be funny. It doesn't. It doesn't. It lost some of that meta humor that I thought the first one really made itself really mm-hmm. clever for using. Yeah. Um, I also think, like you mentioned, the first 20 minutes or so, where it's just kind of Wade doing his thing. Um, the movie starts so slow, and like the the pacing, I thought was off. Which is crazy because some of the neatest, most neat action scenes are kind yeah. of in that first five to seven minutes. Yeah. There's like some, gr- yeah, there's great action stuff in there, but it's just like, what are we getting towards? I was close to a yawn in some of it. And it started in a way, I don't want to give it away, but like it starts in a way where you're like, wait, did they just give this major thing away right at the beginning? And now we're going to have to find out how we get to this point. And that's just yeah. like, okay, kind of loses some of the tension there. A weird narrative choice. Um, and so, I mean, that was a problem I had with the first Deadpool was its narrative choices. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's back. It's different. It's different played out this one, but still somehow it factors in. It is. Yeah. I noticed it was less, per, it was less, it was less jumpy. They only have one scratch that record right. back to the beginning moment. So I was, I was curious about what you. Yeah. I, and I, I, I've come more around on the structure of the first Deadpool movie, especially rewatching ahead of this one. Mm-hmm. I don't think that would be the case with this movie. I okay. don't, I don't think it's, it's structure or how it is pace is going to change drastically for me on a second viewing. Um, I also think that there is a lack of a clear villain. Um, and one that I think if you would have maybe gone in more on that, uh, focused in on one particular character, uh, it would have generated a better story. Because this one kind of has some of those same problems of like Atomic Wick, Atomic Blonde, Atomic oh, Wick, yeah. uh, Atomic Blonde, where like a David Leach movie, great action, but the story is like meh. This one is better than meh. It's, it, it's a good story, and I like where they go and where it eventually ends up, but it's yeah. like the the path they chose to get there wasn't the smoothest. Right. Cable's villain or Cable's villainy is less pronounced. Yeah. Really early on. Um, like when we meet, when we meet him, I don't know if it's giving it away. Like he tases two people. I'm like, Oh, right. he didn't kill them. Interesting. But then you get to see him just like take down everyone else. Like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, he's not to be messed with. But then you really don't get the sense that, Oh, he's, he's really going to stop Deadpool. Like he's right. going to be able to kill the guy who can't be killed type yeah. of attitude. So there were, there were, I mean, I know that was like three or four, like negative things in a row, but I still did find this movie to be overall very entertaining and enjoyable. Okay. It's fun. It's got great action, good characters. Um, but there is like those problems that I think are more significant than the problems that the first movie had. So I'm going to give this one four ticket stubs out of five. Okay. Um, and then we can jump into spoilers here so we can get more specific on some of the other things I want to talk about. Yeah. All right. We'll go for it. All right. So one, one thing I didn't mention, um, is 
because this movie is kind of like the X-Force prequel, almost, yeah. more than a Deadpool sequel, uh, they still bring back Colossus, Negasantine's Warhead, Dopinder, Weasel. They bring back you know Deadpool supporting cast, but they get very diminished roles. Um, and then, but then in the case of Colossus, he actually gets a, I think probably a bigger role in this movie than he did in the first, mm-hmm. but they like changed his character, which I didn't really, uh, his characterization, I would say, okay. where like now he's like making jokes. Like, you know, he gets, you know, Wade, the you gets him to drop the F bomb and you're just like this. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to fight dirty. And like, this is how we do it in Russia. And I'm like, oh. I'm like, where did this come from? Mm-hmm. Like you were like the, like the Captain America, the X Men, kind of in that first movie, and now you're right. like doing all this stuff, and it just felt, it just felt off to me. And then four or five moments, yeah, like Negasonic Teenage Warhead, and they introduce her girlfriend uh, Yukio, I think mm-hmm. was her name, and that was uh, a really sweet relationship. But then they're on screen for like two minutes in yeah. the movie, um, and then I mean, and even Dopender, they 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 set it up for Dopender to have he could have literally had a great role in the movie. Where he's like, I want to be a part of your team. I want to be part of your team. And then mm-hmm. he's like, No, we're not hire. We're not bringing somebody on board who's not who has no powers. And then they bring Peter on board, and it's like, Oh, that's, that's a funny gag. Yeah. But then Doper's back, and I'm like, What the heck? And I'm like, Right. Yes. <laughs> what mm-hmm. the heck? <laughs> yeah. And I was kind of wondering too. Do you think Dopender's role was diminished because he was they the story tied him together with Weasel? Possibly. And my gut feeling is they really shaved down. Miller's role to the bone. It looks like they did. So I'm wondering, like, did we miss out on a bunch of hilarious Dopender moments because Miller was also there? I am under the assumption that, and other people point this out, but when Cable takes Weasel to interrogate him, he's like, mm-hmm. I won't give anything up. And then he just gives everything away. Yeah. He looks significantly different than what he did throughout the rest of the movie. Like, TJ Miller didn't line up. So clearly that, I think... And like they, they said that, oh, the reshoots added more Domino and Cable. I wouldn't be surprised if like all the X-Force stuff plays out the same. So like all of those X-Force characters die the way they do in the movie. But then like the final fight, you know, maybe Domino wasn't going to be there. Right. And it was going to be dope. And maybe Colossus and Nixon Teenage Warhead weren't going to show up. And it was going to be like Deadpool, Cable, Joe Pinder, and Weasel. And it'd be like... How are how are these four guys gonna stop you know mm-hmm. Juggernaut and Fireface? It just it, it's impossible, right? Um, and it's just like I I do definitely think that they reduce his role for yeah. sure. That was like one of the more obvious things about it. I was like, huh, I wonder how much, but I, yeah, I didn't think about reshoots at all. Um, what else? Is there anything else um, that was really glaring? Well, I th- going into the villain thing, I I liked how they tried to do the Looper. Yes. element where like mm-hmm. you, you called it like oh i bet you know they're doing this you know cables after the kid deadpool's after the kid to protect him but then like it goes beyond the point looper got to where the kid was actually i mean dennison's basically the villain of the movie but like he's also not yeah and right. so you're just kind of like who am i rooting for necessarily because mm-hmm. like they established like all right dennison's going to kill this bad guy okay seems fair to me but then Cable's like, no, he can't kill him because then he becomes like this like overlord that kills everybody. And you're like, well, like, right. okay, I, I, I guess you got to kill Dennison. But then Juggernaut's there, and like Juggernaut's like, I guess, I guess you're a villain too. Right. But Cable was the villain for the first half of the movie. And at the same time, Cable's like the villain during all of this too because Deadpool's right. like, don't kill him. I'll yeah. To stop you if you you know you try to kill him like throughout that last moment. And like, uh, I mean, just. 
had some. I had another point to make on this. Okay. I lost it. Sure. But. But can I go ahead and talk about? Yes. While you think of that, I will can I try talk my about best. Julian Dennelson's character yeah. for a little bit? Because I think it's the I think it's the best portrayal of what the X Men stand for in this entire thing. Mm-hmm. We've got a kid at an orphanage where he's being emotionally and physically abused. And you can't help but think of, um, uh, gosh, I forget what it's called, but those re-education camps for like um, gay kids, I guess. Mm-hmm. And parents send their mouth and they like try to, uh, and they, you know, they do things like electrotherapy and all these sorts of things. And that guy at the place is telling them, oh, you're worthless, you're rotten, you're terrible. Like, no, repeat it with me. Yeah. And you're listening to that and you're like, oh my goodness, this is... I mean, this is so close. This is this is so much more relatable than an all-out mutant war <laughs> uh, in, uh, of that kind of nature. Uh, and I was like, "Oh snap, that's crazy!" Like, and they have that. And then there's Deadpool's, um, you know, entrance into it, and he's like, "Well, I want to hang out with you, and let's be buddies or whatever." And he's like, "No, I don't want any of that." So that leads to his unchecked rage. And, you know, I mean, eventually it's taking it to an extreme level of him mm-hmm. wanting to burn everything to the ground. But uh, all of that, like, can kind of coming together in the end, which turns out to be Deadpool sacrificing himself. Dennison feels like he's worth it. And that kind of brings him back down to ground level. And I just thought that was, like, really touching. Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't think we've seen that. And, well, you know what? Logan does a really great job of it. Yeah. But at the same time, it's also like the the hunt is so much wilder. It's uh, kids being experimented on, mm-hmm. and that's the the it's a step over, um, a little step, one step overboard, versus the setup of the um, Essex home, for, Essex home yeah. for mutant kids and whatnot. So uh, that was just so surprisingly uh, cool. Yeah, I. I liked what they were going for. Um, I didn't totally, and this is just the overall story, I guess, but Mm -hmm. I didn't necessarily buy that Wade all of a sudden wants to be a father. And so then like, because there's like, there's no, I mean, there's no mention of him or wanting to kid in that first movie or his father issues. And then like this one, that's what this whole thing's about. And you're like, okay. And then you just like, he's the first kid he sees basically. He's like, you are my kid and I'm going to protect you. Yeah. And then like, but then he still pushes him away right after that. <laughs> he's like, no, go find a bigger guy to friend be friends with. And he, he does. And no, why'd you do that? And you're like, right. You just, you just told him to. And so then like, he's like, no, I'm going to save you because we are friends. And you're like, you literally said a day ago that you weren't. Mm-hmm. So like, I didn't buy that from a character perspective where Wade, all of a sudden he has this, these fatherly instincts and wants to look out yeah. um, for, uh, for uh, what's his name? Russell. Russell in mm-hmm. particular. It's like, okay. But they do kind of make it, they do drive it home though with like the opening. Yeah. Like it's not a dead. The first Deadpool wasn't written with a sequel in mind. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Um, so no. you really couldn't drop any hints or pieces. So you have to build that in early um, with him and uh, Vanessa mm-hmm. and trying to have a kid before her untimely death. And they sort of used, you know, her one of a kid um, as a catalyst for, yeah. or as the reason why he would change his mind, do a 180 and want to protect Russell. Mm-hmm. And we see it with those visits to, I don't know, his, his yeah, near the, death experiences. The afterlife. 
Yeah, whatever that shield is that's keeping which him from Which was weird. Every every time that happened, I was like, "What what are you guys doing?" Cuz like if if this is basically like, "Oh, this is him near death." Yeah. Like, did he have similar afterlife experiences when he's previously died? Mm-hmm. Or is it just now that Vanessa's there that like his brain automatically wants to be with her? So like he's going to connect to that section. Yeah. And then like as it happened, I was like, "Wait, like, is this like an alternate timeline future thing that's happening? Is this a dream? Mm-hmm. It was very unclear. And so then, yeah. like, especially then, like, when he decides, no, okay, I'm, I'm going to go for real, which is one of the jokes I thought went on way too long. Uh, you know, when he de- <laughs> yeah. finally decides to, like, right. die and, like, go be with her, she's like, no. And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, the thing is, though. I let I let that final one stand. I I I love the I'm not dying. I'm not dying. Oh, am I dying yet? Nope. Still, I still got some gas left in the tank. I liked it like the first like the first like one or two times they did, but then like when the sun, he's like, oh, here comes the light. And I'm like, this is clearly the sun. Like, right. come on, <laughs> just get it over with. Either kill him, and then I was like, you better actually kind of kill him. Yeah. If he's just like, oh no, I'm actually fine. So like that five minute joke was just pointless. Okay, fair enough. Um. But that last that last time around, it wasn't his choice. Mm-hmm. It was the reason he got rejected, or she said, "No, it's not your time." Was a was a I, I was okay with it because it was actually Cable being like, "Oh, I'll just go back in time, stop him from dying," by putting yeah. the um, ski ball coin mm-hmm. into his chest, yeah, in his breast pocket. So it's like, okay. It wasn't really his decision, but mm. at the same time, you know, he got there on his own. Yeah. Um, we, we just touched on two big things I think we should discuss, but real quick, I want to go back to the cable uh, oh, yeah. villain thing. I remember what I was going to say. the His, like, flip to be like, all right, I'm, a, I'm working with you guys now, just, like, happens, like, out of the blue. It's like, okay, Juggernaut's on the run. Right. And now he's like, well, now I, I, can't, just, I can't kill the kid because Juggernaut's there. I'm like, why not? <laughs> you, have a, you have a gun. Right. The kid is just there. Well, and then they kind and, of, and he and Cable fights Juggernaut in the final battle. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he gets his butt kicked, but like, tell me he couldn't get a clean shot off against the kid. I, I don't know. And so I was just like, that. That was very. I mean, I mean, Deadpool. He's mentioned like, oh, that's just lazy writing. Exactly. I felt like that was very lazy yeah, writing. They, he he makes that joke like two or three times yeah. too, and it's like there are a really? number of instances, and yeah. it's like, all right, this is. Very uh, coincidental mm-hmm. <laughs> that this is happening right now. Right, and they're and at that point and at, and at that moment they say, "Oh yeah, that's lazy writing." Was that what was one of the other jokes that went on too long? The uh, baby legs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like I wondered if you thought I was like, "That's got to be it." It was. It was. Yeah. It was like the the first the first gag. I I liked it up. Uh, I mean, even when they got to the basic instinct joke, I was like, "That was funny." Mm-hmm. But then like the need to get up. Like oh you're just you're the walk across yeah it's like okay come on yep it's a, it's a it's a good visual gag but like it's a, it's again yeah, it's a five minute joke that was really funny the first minute and kept going becoming less funny as they went on yeah it was a return to one of the it was a return to baby hand from the yeah. first time around I'm like well we've seen this it was even it was it was more fun to watch him be Yoda on Zazzy beats and, right. you know, and have his torso separated mm-hmm. from his legs. 
then you know have to watch them regrow again yeah but it was just like how do you bring blind owl back and mm-hmm. that's, that's what it seemed like i yeah. did enjoy that they put the cure for blindness yeah that, that was a good one underneath the underneath the floorboards all the cocaine with all the cocaine yeah. that was a great uh, that was return. a great callback um for sure but we have mentioned that vanessa dies yes very early on in the movie were you okay with this decision um and then ultimately the end of the movie in the post credit scenes wade changes the timeline completely and saves her yes which in theory would wipe out all the events of this movie uh no it wouldn't wipe out all the events of the movie it would wipe out his it would wipe out deadpool's motivations it would wipe out his motivations but he's already lit see this is this is my thing i don't understand about time travel yeah if you change something that happened to you in the past, mm-hmm. does it change your psyche in the future? I don't know. Don't know. Especially if you're the one who has done it. Yeah, and Deadpool 2 is very... Uh, uh, it's not worried about It's not concerned or, about the laws of time travel and exactly. the effects of it. Right. It's like, hey. For sure. Cable, you need to travel to the, to the past? Cool. Um, but then like, oh, but now you're going to travel back to the past again well now you're not going to be a, a duplicate of yourself you're just going to retake over your memory yes so i don't know how that works and again they even reynolds even says that you know in reference to the time travel he's like that's just lazy writing yeah so you know go figure um it's like it's one of those jokes that would work mm-hmm. for me but at the same time as you said earlier deadpool gets wrapped up in itself in its own story mm-hmm. versus just skewering left and right um, everything about superhero movies. Right. So And it like it doesn't even make a gag of that final like goodbye with Vanessa. It's like it's supposed to be like this real earnest, heartfelt moment and it's just like you're just kinda like waiting for the punchline mm-hmm. to be like, all right, let's get this over with or something and like it never happens. You're like, Oh, you were like you were actually going for like this real serious romantic moment. And it kind of, it just kind of felt like out of place. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was the tone change and that's not a bad thing, yeah. I guess, but it's just, it's, it's the cliche thing mm-hmm. this time around and a, a movie that you're expecting to subvert all of those things. Yeah, I did. I mean, in talking about this movie in the lead up, I know I mentioned met several times that I was concerned about the tonal differences potentially between mm-hmm. Deadpool and Cable. I thought it actually meshed together very well. Yep. Um, but on Vanessa's front, I I was I mean, I don't love the fact that they killed her in no, the first fifteen minutes of the movie, uh, maybe less than that. Um, it's just like that whole that first movie is built on this relationship, right? Why why kill her off in that way? Like, if any, I, I mean, I still think you keep her alive. And be like, oh, we want to have a kid, and you just be like, you know, way just be like, you know, I don't know if. I want a kid necessarily. And then when I be like, no, like, sure. and then he comes home the next day. He's like, there's this kid running. Around. She's like, just try to be friends with this kid. Sort of the narrative. And that, that, opened, they, that opens yeah. up his fatherly instincts. And it's like, okay, now they can have a kid and mm-hmm. we can get into that stuff. And for sure. And okay. so there's like, no, let's just kill her. Right. It's easier. And then they kind of like, they joke about it in those opening credits. I loved the, the art of these opening credits. Yeah. The James Bond style. Exactly. It was awesome. Stellar. But throughout it, there, it's not better than the first. No, but I, it is, it's, it's a completely different beast. But they're like, why would that happen? 
what, why would they do that? Yeah, and, you know, written by the guys who just you know made everybody in this theater mad or whatever mm-hmm. it says. And it's like, just like, for sure. Yeah. It was, <laughs> yeah, they were like, it was almost a joke about doing the cliche thing again. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, you know, they're moving forward with the oh dead girlfriend motivation. Yeah. Okay. We've seen it. I mean, we've seen it before. It's an overused trope. Mm-hmm. So I was hoping. Yeah. So then, but then they fix it. So who knows what X Force has in store? I guess. But we're, since we're referencing post credit scenes, uh-huh. what did you think of those? Um, at least as a whole. As a whole, I mean, yeah. they're 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 very funny. Um, but again, they raised a ton of questions about <laughs> the <laughs> timeline, the multiple realities that are now happening where. Peter is saved um, <laughs> and Vanessa point. is saved, but one. then there's the timeline where Deadpool goes to X-Men origins and kills the weird right. version of Deadpool. But then Deadpool also goes and kills Ryan Reynolds. Like that's, it's all funny <laughs> stuff. But then like when the writers come out and say, no, this is all Canon. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, okay. I guess it's kind of just a joke. I mean, that sounds like a joke, but I, I don't know. Clearly, you know, X-Men don't worry. Fox isn't worried right. about there. But like if, you know, if X-Force or, if, you know, if X-Force, Deadpool 3 are moving on and they're planning to bring Peter back or they're going to, you know, use Vanessa and the, or and the you know, Cable's uh, time traveling device is working again, then I would say that all that stuff did in fact happen. <laughs> I mean, it would open up the door for them just to redo whatever they wanted. Um, yeah. And again, they don't really, they, they loosely play with the butterfly effect effect where they're like, where Deadpool saves Russell's life and then Cable's daughter's bear, mm-hmm. you know, becomes unburned. He's like, Oh, the future's changed. You're like, okay, cool. Right. But then like in these other, in the post credit scenes, if he is, you know, if he is, uh, going and saving Vanessa, what does right. that change? If he's going and saving Peter, how does that change things? Uh, why save Peter instead of, you know... The entire X-Force? Yeah, all of X-Force. <laughs> Could have changed a number of things. Um, you know, if he does go and shoot Ryan Reynolds, technically, Ryan Reynolds doesn't do Deadpool. There are <laughs> there are questions to be had with the post credits, but on concept alone, they are. I mean, they're they're great. Yeah, the the, the shooting Ryan Reynolds as he picks up the Green Lantern script. And he's like, is, oh, this is going to be good or yeah, whatever. You finally made yeah. it, Ryan, <laughs> and then pull it right to the yeah. end. Blood splatter. <laughs> um, I mean, I mentioned the the bear. Yes. Did you buy Cable's you know decision to not go? Back to his home and back to the future. Um, you mean yeah, I bought it as much as you buy like anyone doing anything and like in a superhero movie that's like against their own. Like I don't know, Cable. Cable's journey is more of a joke than anything. Like a lot of the ways through. So when he did that, I'm like, well, of course he would do that because they need him for the next stuff. Yeah. And I was like, okay, you but know, I, but I wasn't like. This, this this ruins the character of Cable. <laughs> right. I'm not I'm not saying that's the case. But and now like, the time travel machine is working. So it's like, okay, I guess that means he can go visit his kids now. And right. come back to the present and fight with Deadpool. But it's just like, again, it's the, the character motivations behind it. It's like the entire motivation for Cable coming to this time and to possibly kill Russell was mm-hmm. to save his daughter. Yes. His daughter was saved. Why would you then leave her? <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. I guess theoretically he could still live out 
several years on Earth, do X-Force, Deadpool 3, Cable spinoff, whatever, and then time travel to that exact point in time where he left Mm -hmm. and be fine. He'd be a few years older, but like, yeah. So, I mean, like, again, it's time travel. There are complications, but it's like, they didn't even make like that joke of like, oh, you're just doing this for the sequel. (laughs) So like, it's like if they had done that, I'd be like, okay, good. At least they're acknowledging the fact that like this doesn't make sense from a character perspective. But like since they didn't, it's like, but really, why why would Cable stay with you guys? Like he doesn't like you guys. Mm -hmm. Why would he not go be with his daughter? (laughs) Right, yeah. And it's just one of those things where it's it's more wrapped up in itself versus Mm -hmm. just making fun of how things happen in... uh, movie universes and right. it's and it's a little unfortunate and it's the reason that you know i i i, I docked it i guess mm-hmm. weird way to describe a movie <laughs> but you know since we do a rating system here it's just because it's fo- more focused on itself than making fun of everything else around mm-hmm. it but it still does that but it mostly happens in the form of easter eggs and winks and nods yeah. versus th- we're just gonna call out various tropes mm-hmm. going forward yeah like this one relies more on like the we're going to say Thanos, or we're going to say DC movies. Um, or uh, One-Eyed Willie. Yeah, like we're going to use those types of jokes, not like, you know, wait, what What timeline is this? Uh, this is confusing stuff. Yeah. You know, like, or even just like, you know, genre-specific, like, you know, story beat uh, cliches, like those types of jokes instead. So, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm being negative on this movie. No. But... Yeah. It's very enjoyable. Uh, go sure. see it for Domino alone because, again, she is easily MVP of the movie. Uh, any final words from you? Any final words? No. I mean, that really runs through everything I had to say. Um, yeah, like, in, like just to reiterate, this is fantastic. It's just different than the first. Mm-hmm. And that's good, and that's bad in some ways and a lot of ways. But um, it's it's absolutely worth your time, and it's it's another win for Ryan Reynolds, another win for Deadpool, um, and Zazie Beats is going to be a star now. More excited for X Force then after this. More excited for X Force. I think it's like Reynolds said um, in that interview. It's the next logical mm-hmm. step for him. Do you want to see them revive Shatterstar and Zeitgeist and? Uh, Bedlam and no, I'm Vanisher. Gonna, no, oh, you know what? Vanisher coming back around would be funny. Would be great. I'd love to have Brad Pitt in there. But the Vanisher gag, oh my goodness! That no, was it's great. So good. Uh, what was your favorite joke of the movie? Ooh, to close out, <sighs> man. That's that's a tough one. I mean the the Brad Pitt cameo was great. That one definitely made me laugh. You're like, wait, what? That's mm-hmm. Brad Pitt. Yeah. Um. I don't. I don't know if I can say my favorite one. I don't like. I don't. Not that like I can't say it because like it's inappropriate for the podcast. I just don't know what it is okay. at this point. Sure. So, uh, but yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm definitely excited for X Force. Give me more Domino. Uh, I think it's supposed to come out probably like next year. I would assume. Um, so shouldn't be too much longer before we find that out and figure out what's next for all this stuff. Uh, we'll obviously let you guys know updates on all of this stuff in the news in future episodes. So be sure to stay tuned for that and go see Deadpool too. Let us know what you thought. Go check out Josh's written view on the site as well. Um, but that's all we have for our view of Deadpool too. So we will be right back in a bit with the news. Thank you. 
interact with the news, and as always, we start with Ticket or Skip It, where we look at a trailer and decide, based on this trailer, whether or not we would buy a ticket for this movie or skip it entirely. First up is a trailer that we both saw for the very first time in a theater before Deadpool 2. It was the Red Band trailer for The Happy Time Murders. Oh, my goodness. Josh, what are you going to give this movie? Uh, I'm going to skip it um, for just uh, a lot of reasons. Um, it is a puppet. It was a rated R puppet crime film mm-hmm. that looks like it's skewering the Muppets. Yep. Uh, it, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. It's, it's directed by Brian Henson, the son of Jim Henson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and clearly he's working out issues. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> to say the least, it's got a kind of crazy cast. Um, Joel McHale, Elizabeth Banks, uh, Melissa McCarthy. Elizabeth Banks is in there? Yeah, I think she's voicing. Oh, a voice, puppet. okay. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it kind of goes on. There's Stanley from The Office on oh. there as Great. well. So there's there's all those elements, but it, it, the, um, I'm not a puppet fan, so I'm just going <laughs> to skip it. Uh, yeah. I don't need to know puppets performing sex acts and things like that. So <laughs> I'm going to pass. Yeah, I'm also going to uh, skip this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Melissa McCarthy is very hit or miss for me. Okay. Um, and I've, I mean, I didn't grow up on the Muppets. I mean, I watched Sesame Street, obviously, but like, it's so like that line of like, n- not no Sesame All Street or whatever, and it's mm-hmm. like, okay, that was, that was funny, but yeah. like, it's a, it's a clever play on the whole concept, but mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's like, who is this movie for necessarily? Like, yeah, I mean, there is just the concept of raunchy puppets is like, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. But like, I feel like they took it a, maybe a step too far. Um, it's like the sausage party exactly. but for puppets. Uh, and yeah. it's like, yeah. I like, learned my lesson on I, sausage party. I maybe would have given it a ticket if it wasn't for that last 30 seconds. But like <laughs> yes. when you end it with that for that amount of time, I'm just like, what are we doing here? Because like, okay, puppets doing drugs, um, you Mm -hmm. know, living normal lives, right? Uh, That stuff could be funny, but like, yeah, the way they go, it's it's like, okay, I I never needed that in my my head. Never look at now. I'll never, yeah, yeah, now I'll (laughs) never be able to forget it. So uh, we did, however, get a first trailer for Spike Lee's. Uh, Black Klansman, yeah, or Black Klansman, if you want to, I think, pronounce it correctly, or <laughs> right. I think it's yeah. Who knows? That extra K is throwing me off. It is. It's very weird. I think it's a K filler. I don't know. The who who knows? But I'm gonna take it on this one. Um, I haven't seen John David Washington in anything. I think mm-hmm. he's new. I mean, uh, I mean, not new. He's newer to the scene. I don't yeah. think he's really had anything mainstream, or. I, you know what? That's uh, weird to say, but I mean, he's been on Ballers, um, and he was in the Book of Eli, or worked on the Book of Eli for some kind of reason. But don't quote okay. me. I'm not sure what his role was precisely. But I am all about. He this. was a producer. He's a producer. So then, never mind on that. I've never seen him before, but he looks like he's killing it here. Um, directed by Spike Lee. Jordan Peele is producing. Adam Driver is in this thing mm-hmm. as the sidekick. I am all about it. And then there's Topher Grace playing David Duke. <laughs> like, 
I think that role was like you know made for him. Yeah, which weirdly. is like yeah, <laughs> like nothing against Topher Grace, but yeah, him as that role just seems like yeah, it was so it pretty was, good casting. I was like, I watched. I'm like, oh man, I feel really bad about this, but this yeah, <laughs> Topher Grace and the KKK that that makes sense. That worked. <laughs> so, but it looks funny as heck, um, and it's such a cool concept. I mean, it was such it's such a cool story. Yeah. Because uh, uh, it's 100% true, uh, so yeah, I, I am I'm 100% here for it. Yeah, I, I probably would have bought a ticket for this just on the premise alone of a new or a, a new entry in the in the into the cop in the LA rookie rookie cop uh, wherever the, he's located. Yeah, he's a new cop. Uh, he's black, and then he's like, I want to go after the KKK, mm-hmm. but like he obviously can't get in there and he calls them up and he's like, Oh yeah, I, I, yeah. I hate Jews. I hate <laughs> right, puts people on the of white color. Voice. Like, you know, he does all this stuff and you're just like, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then like all of his like, coworkers like turn him like, who is this guy? Yeah. And then like, I like that he's able to like convince Adam to be like, okay, they've talked to me, but you have to be the one to actually go interact with them because obviously <laughs> if I show up, it's not going to go well. Right. <laughs> and so I like the idea that, that them two will be like kind of the, force at the front of this movie um and since it's directed by spike lee i think there's obviously going to be a lot of political commentary on mm-hmm. this uh it's going to be done I, I would assume very well so it's an easy ticket for me on this one as well as an easy ticket for the first trailer for bohemian rhapsody oh man yeah uh this one uh was directed by brian singer and then at the last minute dexter fletcher came in to finish photography after singing with AWOL. Singer is still the credited director on the project, but mm. it is the biopic of uh, Freddie Mercury and Queen, and it just it looks stellar. I mean, uh, Rami Malek in the lead role yes. looks awesome. Um, looks probably like an early Oscar role or Oscar contender, at least, for his performance. If the movie turns out as well as I think this trailer makes it look, it could be a best picture thing as well. Um, I love how they're using all the music. I was a big fan of Straight Outta Compton, and this got me similar vibes. I don't know if they're going to go as in-depth into kind of the struggles of the the, the individuals in the band mm-hmm. as Straight Outta Compton did, but just seeing kind of Remy Malik bring this role to life and seeing the Queen music and how yeah. they how they made it, and they're like, all right, and this is where the – operatic section because they're like they're like the what right uh okay okay Mm -hmm. and he's like just just trust me and you're just like oh yes you get to see the the mama mia stuff come to life and it's just all very cool um and i mean i grew up listening to queen so uh yeah this is an easy ticket yeah i mean i would never i would never call queen my favorite band but bohemian rhapsody is just a wild song Mm -hmm. and you think about it coming out in the 70s 60s 70s 75 sure 80 somewhere in that time period (laughs) where we were just like that is, you know, a wild thing mm-hmm. for that time period. You know, today it makes sense. It's like, you know, Kanye somehow is a direct descendant of Bohemian Rhapsody <laughs> in some kind of ways. The mad genius of it. Okay. And, I mean, we've been waiting for Rami Malek to get a great role. And it looks like he's got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it looks equal parts wild, but also captivating. And who doesn't want to live in the rock and roll of the seventies and right. the, you know, the origin of that revolution. So yeah, I'm all about it. All here for it. Give me a ticket right now, please. Unfortunately, I have to wait until the end of the year to see it. So okay. uh, give me a ticket in November. Pre-order the ticket right now. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, probably can't. Ooh, you could that Google duplex thing. Maybe I can Google tell duplex. it. Duplex. 
it's like a person that'll do everything for you. That's but it's terrifying. A, a digital one. It'll make calls. So it'll call and place an order the minute for me. What? Yeah, it's weird. That is terrifying. Um, but we also got our first trailer for Mile 22, Ooh. a Peter Berg directed flick for, uh, starring Mark Wahlberg and Laura Cohen. Uh, I'm a huge fan of uh, Peter Berg. Lone Survivor yep. is awesome. Uh, Deepwater Horizon is great. Patriot's Day was really good. All three star Mark Wahlberg. Even his uh, Friday Night Lights movie is awesome. Yep. Um, Battleship, different story. <laughs> Don't put anything on that. <laughs> that was just a misstep. Um, but Mod 22 looks like it's another solid outing from the duo. Them going into their action routes more. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Wahlberg leading up this covert op team yeah uh the plot's a little it could be where it loses you i think but if if it delivers on the action it's got one of the lead guys from the raid franchise uh and the red band version of the trailer he is just kicking all types of butt and uh if he can do that for most of the movie and then mark Wahlberg's in there to have some good action stuff as well peter burke can craft a decent story hopefully not give ronda rousey any speaking lines i think we'll be all set (laughs) Maybe she's gotten better. We don't know. Yeah, I, I guess. Um, but I'm just gonna flat out skip this one. No. I I love Peter Berg. I mean, um, I've talked. I have I have nothing but great things to say about both Deepwater Horizon and Patriots Day. We reviewed them both on the pod two years ago. Yes, during the first year of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, loved them both. But I just this one just looks like a total step back from everything um Wahlberg's opening monologue is just so dumb I was like oh yeah we get it we get it man you're all American um but it it doesn't ha- I mean it doesn't have any depth it just looks like a flat-out action movie without with it's over self-serious and it's telling a fictional story mm-hmm. and these guys excel at telling the real stuff and I think truth is stranger than fiction and it's better than fiction not yeah it's better in fiction in these sorts of stories mm-hmm. there are a lot of other tales to tell and mile 22 just looks like a pumped up action movie set in south korea for or some south yeah. southern southwest asian mm-hmm. area um it's co-financed or co-produced with an international company yep. um so you can see that can kind of see that play that they're going for there uh, Laura Cohen is cool to see her in other roles outside of The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's about all I got to say. Okay. I'm, I'm pass. All right. Well, what about the second trailer from Mission Impossible Fallout? A sixth installment of franchise you still yet to see any movies of, if I <laughs> yeah. am correct in saying mm-hmm. so. So you've seen another look at this one. I have. Does it get you more interested in the sequel and more interested in actually checking out what came before. I'm glad to talk about this now because ever since CinemaCon and basically following everything that they presented from tweets to articles to uh, someone's grainy cell phone video in the crowd, (laughs) uh, I have come to adore what they're doing with Mission Impossible. The first trailer, every time I see it, I just get more mesmerized by it. It is so perfectly cut Mm -hmm. to one of my favorite new Imagine Dragons songs off of Evolve. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, or no, that's off of Shots. Or no, Smoke and Mirrors is what it is. Down with the friction. Sure. Whatever whatever that song is. Whatever you say. I'm I'm rambling. But anyway... (laughs) 
I've come to love the trailer so much. Seeing this one and all of the more stunts they're doing, especially the aerial yeah. things that they've got working and talking to you about it la- to you about it last week um, off the pod. I I'm here for it. This trailer, yes. this trailer was a sell. Um, so we'll see about the franchise as a whole, <laughs> but I do think I'm going to like this one and I want to get my, I will get myself caught up. Okay. So I can, you know, be a part of the team. What's the team's <laughs> called? Is it the A team? No, it's not the A team. It's just the ghost team. Uh, what are they called? They've gone, they've had a different, couple different names. If I remember correctly. Okay. Got it. But anyway, they like, they yeah. were part of a team and then they were disavowed and now they're part of a rogue team. Uh, the rogue I mean, it's not, it's not MI6 cause that's Britain stuff. Right. MI5. Uh, no, who knows, but I'm a ticket on this. One. Okay. Excellent. I'm also ticket. Obviously, uh, not just because I'm going to see this movie, but also because this trailer rocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was so good. So much action. The skydiving stuff. We only saw a snippet of it, but that's supposed to be like a three minute long sequence. That sounds awesome to me. I mean, Henry Cavill looks great in this antagonist ish role. Um, I don't think he's going to be the true villain of the movie because I mean, they show that Solomon Lane played by uh Sean Harris um, yes makes that alive so he's like a threat and he's got bomb codes and like there's a nuclear war potentially on the horizon and that's why all of these like factors are in play why uh, Hunt's team is on it why uh, Cavill and Angela Bass and the CIA are involved but then also why Rebecca Ferguson and her group are um, you know somehow intertwined in there mm-hmm. as well uh, it makes it makes sense it looks big it looks epic Uh all the action stuff looks great. Yeah. Um, we've got to see some glimpses of Vanessa Kirby doing some action stuff in there as well, which was, I think, the, the knife fighting. Yeah, yeah. Which was some of the first stuff we saw from her other than just like standing. Right. Um, so that was kind of cool to see her getting on the action. The most interesting shot to me was when Michelle Monaghan popped up and it looked like a wedding ceremony. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that the end of the movie and her and Ethan Hunt are. Once again, back together. Is this a flashback to when they got married the first time? Who knows? Um, Is it an undercover wedding where they're trying to take somebody down? Maybe. Uh, There's so many possibilities. Um, All I know is I'm definitely seeing this opening day. Awesome. As soon as I can, hopefully with a packed crowd and a bunch of friends, uh, because you can't lose with Cruz. And we will soon find out whether or not you can lose with Lando because he may be getting his own movie. Uh, There was a bit of confusion this week when the French outlet Premiere shared a quote from Kathleen Kennedy that said, quote, well, quote, as in this was translated from French, Mm -hmm. quote, we think that the next spinoff will be dedicated to Lando Calrissian. But then after that came out, Lucasfilm said, "Uh, no, something was lost in translation. They gave Premiere another quote which they, I assume, translated into French. And then we, stateside, had to translate back into English, mm-hmm. which says, quote, we would love to tell a story about Lando Carizian one day, but it's not relevant. It would be fun to tell the story of Han and Chewie. So we don't know if this is necessarily happening. Uh, Donald Glover also told Screener this week that he wants to see the movie be like, catch me if you can, or catch me if you can, but in space. So... Do you think we're getting a Lando movie? Do you 
uh, are you confused by these quotes and these clarifications? And if this does happen, would Donald Glover's pitch be the movie for you? Okay. I still don't know what to believe with these two <laughs> quotes. I, you look at them both. They say the same thing, but then that one sounds like a ret- the second one sounds like a retraction. Yes. Like a misstep, an overstatement. Um, like a, we gotta hide the surprise that Donald <laughs> Glover has signed on for two or three films. Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, I, I feel like that's out. I feel like that. Has he said that he's got a contract for more than that? I don't know, but like. I feel like signing it, Donald But like Glover, if, if Alden has one, mm-hmm. I'm sh- and like the Rogue One cast had multi-picture deals, I feel like everybody has to have at least a second appearance on their contract. Yeah. Okay. So we know Donald Glover has been signed up for two years, $50 million. But what we, Whoa. I don't know. I don't know what the he's worth. He's probably worth a lot. But, not, so, not 25 I, a, a movie. <laughs> no, no, that's was, that's more, that, that make him the highest paid actor in Hollywood. <laughs> it would, it would, I think Downey Jr. was around that time. Him and Johansson? Uh, I mean, in the upcoming years, The Rock is supposed to be the highest paid actor with a $22 million outing for Red Notice. <sighs> so. Wow. Snap. Okay. Anyway, point being. Lando definitely is going to get his own movie. Um, I haven't read reviews yet, but tweets suggest, headlines suggest, he is incredible. Of Mm -hmm. course he is. And Donald Glover's talking about, oh, what I would do for a Lando movie. It seems like he's giving it some thought. Sounds like maybe he's going to be help writing it. Who knows? Um, So I feel like that's in the cards. But I just don't... I don't this 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 second quote from Kathleen Kennedy uh is definitely weird. Mm-hmm. For first of all because it's a retraction, but second of all, but it's not relevant. Yeah. Like as soon as I read that I'm like is that that's a di- what is that a diss on? Who like it's definitely some kind of, you know, shiv mm-hmm. somewhere and I don't get it. I mean unless she's saying we would love to make one but it's not relevant because we're not planning one. But to say that, yeah, a a solo movie starring Donald Glover mm-hmm. as Lando Calrissian, which would make it the first Star Wars movie that is, is solely led by a person of color, is not relevant, is a terrible thing to say yeah. <laughs> from the president of Lucasfilm, in the which sh- makes me believe that something, again, was lost in translation. Right. Like, in the shadow of Black Panther, mm-hmm. not relevant at all. Is just, uh, so if anything, it's the most relevant, especially after I mean after Black Panther, after This Is America. Absolutely. I mean, come on. So go figure. But then it says it would be fun to tell the story of Han and Chewie, which is future tense. But right. they've already done a story uh-huh. for Han and Chewie. But so there could I, be sequels. I just don't get it at all. Like I literally just still confused to this day. <laughs> this is not a clarification. Um, so, go for it. What's your take on this? Because I can't even decode it. <laughs> I, I, I mean, Nicholas Cage. Here. I I too am very confused by this because I I mean, we all saw the same premiere article. You translate it with Google, and it says Lando's the next one. And immediately everybody goes, "Wait, what?" Lando's the next one. We all thought Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan would be the next one. Oh, my gosh. Lando's getting his own movie. This is mm-hmm. awesome. This is great. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lucasfilm. Even though 
99.5% of the population has yet to even see Han Solo. Uh, we don't even know how good he is, at least for our own eyes. Yes, the reviews, the reactions are all saying Donald Glover's the best. He's amazing. He's incredible. Give us a Lando movie ASAP. Please. And then this quote comes out, and it's like, hey, we're, we're going to do it. And you're like, oh, okay, wow. If, if it's technically the next standalone movie does that mean it's 2020 does that mean this movie is literally going to pick up very quickly and start shooting wow awesome and then to come out and say no it's it's not relevant it you take that step back and you're like no that that can't possibly be what kathleen kennedy directly said or the representative lucasfilm or whoever gave this quote yeah because you just you just don't say that if you're a studio head you don't come out and say, oh, we would love to make a movie starring uh, one of the most prominent rising black actors in Hollywood mm-hmm. who also plays one of the most beloved, uh, diverse roles in the Star Wars universe. But it's not relevant. Now's not the time. <laughs> right. If now isn't the time, when will it ever be the His time? Popularity is literally peaking. Yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe you're just waiting until after Solo comes out to be like, all right, now's the time to announce it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It it, 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 it reads the wrong way, which is, again, why I'm just like, this, this is some sort of clarification of them just saying, okay, Kathleen Kennedy said along some lines that they want to do the Lando movie. And that it's a possibility to be the next one, or at least one of their next few. But then this clarification is just basically saying, no, it's not going to be the next one. It'll be a future one, most likely, but it's not the next one. So I don't think that this translation and this clarification is much of anything. So then if we kind of just operate under the assumption that, okay, Solo is getting generally good reviews... Yeah. Um, so if Donald Glover is a standout and they want to do something else in this era, but they're like, okay, maybe let's cool on Han for a second. Mm-hmm. But Lando is huge. So let's give Lando and L3 and Lobot and Cloud City their own adventure. And we got to go explore that era pre A New Hope. C- cool. Excellent. Let's do that. And if that is somehow catch me if you can in space. I think that sounds like an awesome idea where Lando's on the run. Somebody's trying to find him. Yeah. Um, Very much the legend of Lando Calrissian. Right. Especially you could do like Boba Fett's hunting down Lando. You could do it that way. Make Boba Fett the villain um, or at least a a group of bounty hunters or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, It would make it very cool. Very fun. uh, Hero Mirai has to direct it. Still on this train. Yep. Uh, it's just a match made in heaven. I mean, Joe Kasdan even said he w- he would be willing to write the movie. Um, or I think he said something along the lines of, you know, if, if a Lando movie happens or if, you know, they'll have to really work hard to keep me away from it. Yeah. It's like, okay, cool. You know, if he wants to give input, great. I don't want him to be the sole writer on it. I want, no it, I want, I want Glover to be heavily involved in the script. I would want hero to be very involved in the script. Mm-hmm. Um, Steven make it happen. Yeah. Steven, obviously, uh, you know, I think it's a matter of time before we get the Lando movie. Maybe it comes at Star Wars net celebration next year. They get that official announcement that, Ooh. Hey, here's your first trailer for episode nine. Yeah. The next day is, all right, here's your first look at Obi-Wan. Here's a picture of you and McGregor back in costume. He's a little older. He's got the beard again. And everything's good and dandy. We get some deets on, uh, you know, 
Benny Offer Wise's thing, mm-hmm. Ryan Johnson's trilogy, and then they're like, oh, by the way, boom, Lando, 2022, which is pretty far away. Yeah, I don't know if he'd be interested by then, but which is again, that's the other question. Like when, yeah, with relevancy when, is when when right would you now. do this? Because that's where it's like, oh, okay. Part of it would be, you know, if this was technically the next standalone, if this was 2020, I think I'd believe that even more. Yeah, because you'd want to capitalize right now on Don Glover. I'm not saying Glover's fame is going to dip in the next couple of years, but I can't imagine him getting that much hotter than he is right now i mean he is just on the top of his game i mean yeah maybe he jumps to movies and he directs one and you know he stars in another one and they're all they're both massive and they win oscars and you're just like this dude is on fire he's he's just gonna keep climbing somehow Mm -hmm. and you and mcgregor you can do obi-wan anytime the next 10 years and we can still get it to work right it's not indicative that we have to get it right now but if we want to have a lando movie in the same era or at least close to solo we need to do it sooner rather than later right and why why wait (laughs) i i i do but if it's not relevant i guess then it's you don't do it i would love to talk to someone that is a french like he is fluent in french and have them explain the context of this or just have Lucasfilm issue like an actual English clarification. That would be terrific. But then if you do it for us, you have to publish a clarification in every single, uh, you know, (laughs) spoken language. Yeah. Probably not. (sighs) It's difficult, but uh, we want to know. We do. And speaking of Obi-Wan, TMZ shared a possible uh, synopsis for what they are calling, according to a production bulletin, Obi-Wan, A Star Wars Story. That is the listed title on this production bulletin for an Obi-Wan spinoff. Stephen Daldry is listed as the director of such a movie, and its synopsis reads, quotes, Obi-Wan is on Tatooine being an elusive hermit and, and stuff, but secretly watches over an infant Luke, whom he delivered to his uncle Owen. Tensions between the local farmers and a tribe of sand people headed by a ruthless war chief eventually brings Obi out of hiding. End quote. Sounds like an Obi-Wan movie. It seems like it's happening. Okay. Especially if Lando's not the next movie. Yeah. Right? Uh, I This, this actually sounds like, a, surprisingly, I'm a bit like a novel. The 2013 um, Obi-Wan novel. I don't yep. know the name of it. I think it's just... I think it actually is just Kenobi. Okay. Kenobi novel. Which is the other thing about this. The title. Obi-Wan. Right. Okay. But... And maybe it goes with the story details, if these are correct. The synopsis reads a little funny to me. That It's saying, and stuff... Doesn't seem very right. official, yeah. or even saying "outa" mm-hmm. instead of "out of." Uh, it's <laughs> it's it's very like you know bloggy uh, sort of language, which just doesn't feel right for an official synopsis. But this is supposedly on a production bulletin that's out there. I mean, it's TMZ, so it, is it fake? Is it not? Who knows? Um, but this, if true indicates that the Obi-Wan movie would take place much closer to Revenge of the Sith than A New Hope, right? Yes. Because if it's an infant Luke, infant is not like six to seven. It's like Mm -hmm. 
less than one. <laughs> right. It would be like literally Obi-Wan turns away from, uh, you know, Owen and yeah. Brew on the horizon, sun's, twin suns setting, and then starts walking, and then he sees Sam people and is like, I'm going to guess Anakin didn't kill them all. Yeah. Kind of <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it would, it would, it sounds a lot like the novel. Mm-hmm. I mean, almost beat for beat like it. Especially the last section of the synopsis. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's, that's literally what he faces down. Mm-hmm. Um, there are elements of, I think the empire shows up a little bit in there as well. And then takes on a crate dragon. would love to see a crate dragon brought to life. Like a dragon from crate? Uh, no, it's, it's just like a it's species. See, it's K R Y T. Oh, okay. It's not technically canon yet. Well, so maybe yeah, they could spell it's not, it differently. Yeah. So they could probably spell it differently. But these ones live on Tatooine. Oh, okay. They're infamous throughout the Legends novels. And it'd be really cool to see him face one of those down. Mm-hmm. It would be like him fighting the Ackley again from episode two. Okay. Kind of only bigger, badder, more dangerous, and terrifying. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But this... This reads like a rumored bulletin, yeah. but at the same time, or a fake one, or someone mocked one up and sent it around, mm-hmm. and TMZ, as they do, prints up nearly everything. Right, but it, everything. it could also just be like Lucasfilm be like, hey, we need to get this production bulletin out there. Uh, hey, you, uh, intern, find <laughs> some weird synopsis for an Obi-Wan movie and throw it on this. And he's like, uh, Obi-Wan synopsis. Oh, here's a book. Uh, okay. They're like, don't even, do you want to look at this, Kathleen? Nope, just send it out. Uh, uh, yeah. are, are, are you sure? Yep, just throw it out the door. That seems highly unlikely. It does, Especially, but it's like... <laughs> like, the stuff part of it is, like, really crazy because, like, you're not supposed to do that. Like, that right. is, like, uh, that's that's Grammar 101 in Nice Guys, <laughs> um, as Ryan Gosling yeah. tells his daughter in that film. So, I mean, I believe they're doing the movie. Yeah. A thousand percent. I believe it'll look like this right here, but this just seems a little fake to me. You think it'll still be closer to Revenge of the Sith than A New Hope? Four or five years later, I would say. Okay. Because there's there's got to be there's got to be some time in between. Uh huh. For the Raiders to regroup, rebuild, then you can go get a five-year-old Luke Skywalker toddler <laughs> to have run around and be cute mm-hmm. so you can have, pop him in there and then you can have Obi-Wan cut through legions of sand people. Yeah. And then it would bring new cadence to the idea in A New Hope where Luke says the sand people have been getting more bold or Obi- mm-hmm. I think Obi-Wan says it actually. And then, you know, it would also explain how he knows how to deal with them, yep. how to fight them, and um, all sorts of Add things. Add some like history that. to a new hope. Yeah. The I am I am more interested in the timeline aspect of Obi Wan than I guess necessarily the story because mm-hmm. I mean I am interested in the story because how m- much do you let him even use a lightsaber or force powers? Right. If he's if this title is Obi Wan a Star Wars story, then in a new hope and he says Obi Wan, that's a name I've heard in a very long time. It's like. Really? Because we just saw your your origin, your your in between movie, mm-hmm. and that was five years ago. And somebody, I mean, five years, I guess, is a long time to not have nobody call you by your name, right? But still, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we could also see him pick out the name Ben. Yeah, and there's yeah. So like, it would make more sense if he was 
if it was happening. Yeah, I mean, there's 18 years to yeah. play with. Which is why I, I think it would. I think it makes more sense to go like eight years, mm-hmm. just go like right in yep. between, because it's been, you know, if this comes out in 2020, it'll have been uh, 13 yep. years since uh, 13 or 14 years since Revenge of the Sith, when Ewan McGregor last played the role, uh, and he is still only like in his mid forties, but then Alec Guinness is like in like was 63 or something in a new hope. So there's a very, very uh, different look to Obi-Wan that you have to get. So I think if you just split the gap and you're like, okay, he's aged 15 years in real life. Right. In seven years in the Star Wars universe, you can (laughs) at least make it somewhat more believable and be like, all right, this movie is set three years before new hope and Ewan looks like Ewan. Right. (laughs) And then you you go three years later and it's like, wow, Obi-Wan's been through some crap because he's got all <laughs> white hair now. Uh, it, it's rough on him. Yeah. So I, that's, I mean, I don't know. I'm not saying they buy this is a true synopsis. Uh, if it is, or if this is a general indication of where they're going, mm-hmm. Tatooine, okay, makes sense. War against sand people can could be cool. Uh, apparently there's some like sand people war chief from Legends that was like an ex-Jedi or something. Uh, there was a... Jedi, there was a Tusken Raider in okay. some Clone Wars graphic novels. So, like, if that's yeah. the war chief and we get, like, that's how they get lightsaber on lightsaber action in this, mm. cool. I'm on board. Um, I, yeah, so we'll see, I guess. Um, moving on to the MCU very quickly. The Eternals, according to the Howard Reporter, received a pair of writers, uh, Matthew and Ryan Furpo, to, uh, to obviously write the script for that movie. They are coming off a blacklist. Uh, recommendation award uh however you want to put it their script for the uh revenge thriller set in world war ii called ruin got on the blacklist in 2017 and has since got uh gal gadot attached to star in the potential movie unfortunately this is like they're like ruin is like their first thing Mm -hmm. so their hiring doesn't really give us like oh so this is like this is the tone they're going for, or this is the type of movie they're going to do. Yeah. I mean, revenge thriller. Okay. I could see the Eternals fitting in there in that genre. Maybe I don't know exactly how, but you could do it, I guess. Um, <laughs> right. I'm just more just like, okay, so this Eternals movie is like legitimately like happening. Mm-hmm. It's, it's coming very soon. I think, I mean, other than black widow and guardians three. And if you want to consider Spider-Man two, a phase four movie or not uh those four are the only movies that have definite scripts either finished or in progress so if i had to place my money on when this movie's coming out i feel like this movie's coming out in november of 2020 i mean the next step after you get writers is they write the script and then you get a director uh-huh. that matches that script so it, we we know more about this movie than we do, uh, than we do Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange two, or or Black Panther two, or, Black or Panther 2. Um, any know, other new property. We know as much about this movie as we do about James Gunn's already confirmed Guardians of the Galaxy three. Other uh, than his, I mean, I guess he has like returning cast. Yeah, we know. Bit. But cast, other than that, I mean, they're both in the writing phases. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> James Gunn's been in the writing phase for 
over a year. Yes. So he's much further along than, Fer- than the Furpa brothers are. <laughs> for, for sure. But they are, I guess, in the same Period. stage. They're both in the writing phase, even though I think James is in the finalizing editing phase. He's in, yeah. Where they're in like, all right, let's he's early break the story right. uh, sort of thing. So, okay. Eternals, it's, it's coming. Probably 2020. Yeah. If not 2020, 2021. It's coming in the next three to four. Yeah, three years. Time to start learning who the heck these guys are. Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been doing more research on them because of this. They're interesting. They have ties back into like in the early comics. They're like almost posing as like God and the devil. Like <laughs> it's kind of, it's a kind Yeesh. of biblical where they're like, oh, you know, I helped guard the ark because it, it was it, yeah, the safety and the. Uh, the deviants, which are like a weird offshoot of the Eternals, actually ruled Earth before the flood, um, and uh, then had to go live underwater. I don't uh, know if they'll go that route, um, but they have ties to like the the Incas and a uh, whole bunch of whole bunch of interesting stuff that you're just like Jack Kirby. Uh, what were you What were you guys doing back in the seventies? <laughs> well, I can tell you, cocaine yeah. and mushrooms. <laughs> exactly. You guys, I mean, yeah, it's some weird stuff. Like the last issue I read was like them visiting like a toad village. Oh. And you're like, oh man, what is happening? Oi, okay. But it's well, interesting. Yeah, it definitely sounds interesting. Yes. <laughs> uh, and speaking of interesting, uh, I'm interested in a sequel to Zombieland, which Ooh. according to writers Paul Wernick and Rhett Reese, who also wrote Deadpool, Deadpool 2, yeah. uh, they told Vulture that the plan is for a sequel to hit theaters next October on the first movie's 10th anniversary, uh, or at least in that same range, not necessarily on the exact same day, but around 10 years from the first movie, and that they are planning to bring back the whole cast and that there will be some sort of time jump involved. So it looks like Zombieland 2 is a go. Ticket. Wait, no, wrong segment. <laughs> okay. Fast forward to a year from now. I don't know how they're going to get Emma Stone back for this. Mm-hmm. She is moved way beyond Zombieland. They could have her. They could have a contract. Be, <laughs> that is that is going to be so wild uh, if they do that, and I'm 100 percent here for it. Uh, I don't know how it'll change or what it'll be like, but I've been dying for a Zombieland two movie since I saw the first one back mm-hmm. in 2000 and 2009. Nine, yeah. So a thousand percent. I mean, I thought one was coming in 2012. Nope. Forgot about it. Forgot about it. They're going to do a TV series and that's right on Fox. Now, now we're here and And yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. We need the zombie genre desperately needs comedy again. Yeah. It just needs something different. You know, Uh, walking dead's doing their thing. Who knows if world war Z two will ever happen. mm -hmm. Keeps getting pushed back. I was on television the other day. Um, I don't know, I, but Zombieland is a very fun movie. It's very clever. And if you can get Woody, Emma Stone, Jesse Eisenberg, and uh, the other girl, who I don't remember her name. Uh, Abigail Breslin. Yeah. Little Rock. Yeah. 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 Yeah, her. Uh, if you can get all four of them back, great. Uh, and I'd love to see how the world has changed if they go like seven-year time jump or something. Mm-hmm. How has the world changed seven years after the seven additional years after a zombie apocalypse? How many more rules are there? Right. There's so many questions. Oh yeah. And that's the thing too. Absolutely. What celebrity, what beloved celebrity should they accidentally kill? I mean, is it Ryan Reynolds? Is that too obvious? Uh, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, I would maybe. love it. If Paul Wardick and Rhett Reese 
were able to convince Hugh Jackman to come on <gasps> just so they could that mess with him. Would be And then awesome. when they see Ryan the next time, they're like, suck it. <laughs> 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 we got to work with Hugh and you didn't. <laughs> Did you see that image of him, uh, of Reynolds and Jackman? up today on his Twitter. Um, I like some like ice cream shop yeah, or like, something. Guess what I ran into after I followed him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, poor Ryan Reynolds. I feel like that's never going to happen, but, uh, moving on in the news, we also got, uh, some casting info on it. Chapter two with, uh, James Ransone revealing and then deleting on Twitter that he is going to play an older version of Eddie Krasbrack in it chapter two and then variety followed up and said that andy bean is going to play stanley uris so he's it's not thomas middleditch no unfortunately he would have been perfect warner brothers don't know what you're doing i mean it was, it was right there mm-hmm. you just worked with him on godzilla too yep. um it's right there for the taking would have been perfect nothing against andy bean and james ransone i don't think i know who either of these guys are I don't so either. good for them. They just got a role in what's probably going to be one of the biggest movies of 2019. They'll probably become much bigger names after mm-hmm. that. And if, if it's anything like that first movie, I'll be like, wow, I can't wait to see this cast and everything. Yeah. And I'll be huge fans of both of them. I mean, so congrats. Yeah. I mean, they're handsome, but they're not Thomas Miladich who I had my heart set on. So yeah, it is very, uh, handsome, attractive cast they've assembled so far. Yeah, I mean, Bill Hader's the only oddball. Yeah, yeah, he's the only like, okay. But we like him. You're a little wacky. Right, everyone else is like J. Crew, and then there's (laughs) Bill Hader. Okay, Uh, we're going to go rapid fire through a couple things here to wrap it up. Deadline revealed this week that Chris Evans is set to star in a Neil Blomkamp disaster film titled Greenland. Uh, The film is uh, scheduled to film later this year and will revolve around Chris Evans' family fighting for survival during a natural disaster I'm a huge fan of, well, I'm a huge fan of District 9, and I really like Elysium. Uh, Chappie didn't do it for me, and I've been waiting for Neil Blomkamp to get a rebound ever since his Aliens reboot was canned, Shelved, thanks yeah. to Ridley, Fo- uh, Ridley, Ridley Fox, Ridley Scott, um, and him with Chris Evans in an action disaster movie, yes, sign me up. Sounds good. Yeah, a thousand percent here for it. Yeah, sounds great. Uh, then Deadline revealed that Spielberg and DiCaprio are going to reteam for a Ulysses S. Grant biopic, marking their first collaboration since Catch Me If You Can, which was their first collaborations. I was more surprised that this is that they haven't worked together since then. Honestly, it's more like how did how did that happen? How did you guys not work together for the last fifteen years? Right. But here we are. Ulysses S. Grant. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds like another Oscar level biopic for DiCaprio and Spielberg. Yeah. Uh, then deadline revealed that Adam McKay and Jennifer Lawrence's bad blood movie is now going to be written by shape of water, shape of waters writer, Vanessa Taylor. Uh, the hiring comes because McKay is too busy with his Dick Cheney biopic starring Christian Bale. It's going to hit theaters this fall. Um, and then the hiring that in hiring Taylor, they will now be able to get the script writing or get the script done as McKay finishes that movie which will then allow him and Lawrence to actually do production and film movie, hopefully next year. Yeah. So we're up in the timeline of this. Are you excited? Yeah, absolutely. She's also a producer um, too. So she's going to come on and probably take over, you know, help shepherd the project even more. Okay. The story's advanced. Elizabeth Holmes has only gotten even, you know, 
she's worse off. Yeah. So they have their ending for their story. So yeah, for sure. I'm very excited. Uh, and then lastly, THR revealed that Meryl Streep is set to star in Steven Soderbergh's Panama Papers drama thriller titled The Laundromats and that Gary Oldman and Antonio Banderas are in talks to uh, join the film as well and that it could head to Netflix. Oh no. Netflix. Unfortunately for Colton, he won't watch it because it's not a real movie. I, on the other hand, Soderbergh, it's Streep, it's yep. Oldman, it's Banderas. Mm-hmm. It's a great quartet to kick off a movie. Panama Papers, okay. Right. Uh, we'll see. Just worried about the platform. Yeah. Sometimes points towards quality, but who knows? It could. This could break the bolt. I hope it's just better than Unsane, which if you saw Unsane... Uh, you can read our review, my review, on the website, yes. friendsofhome.wordpress.com. Uh, that's all we have for this episode. We'll be back next week with a review of... Solo, Solo, Star Wars sounds in Solo. A Star Wars story. That's correct. I'm excited. Star Wars, my favorite thing on the planet, and it's finally here. Yeah, we're not doing a preview episode for it. So briefly, do you want to give like why you're yeah. looking forward to it, what you're looking forward to? Um, Star Wars. Donald Glover, Star Wars, <laughs> Han Solo, my favorite Star Wars character. Okay. Uh, and it just looks lo- looks like a low-stakes, fun movie where we can finally turn our brains off a little bit more. Are you sure about that? I, th- I think so. You're not going to be questioning canon the whole time? No. I mean, this is this will be canon building, if anything. This is literally a movie um, stuffed into a canon and shot out of it. Uh, I don't know if that analogy works, but that that's why, I mean, who cares? I'm just, <laughs> it's going to be so fun. I'm ready for an Easter egg Star Wars movie. Okay. So, and you know, I spent, I've dedicated way too much time reading these books and now I'm finally like, let me, t- tell me what's yeah. true. Tell what's me it's not. real. Exactly. That's it. But what are you, what are you thinking for it? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it, it's a key. It kept looking better as they continue to market it as the director drama kind of washed away and you're like, okay, it's Ron Howard's movie. Let's see what he's got. The cast. I'm a big fan of pretty much everybody in there. I want to, I hope that Fanny Newton has a good sized role because please, she's just awesome. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm here for Donald Glover. Chewie looks like he's going to be a standout as well. That's going to be great. Um, and we'll see. I mean, we'll review it next week. Let you guys know what our thoughts are on solo. We'll also be back this week with a big question. And if you enjoyed this episode or any of our other episodes, please head over to iTunes and give us a five-star view. And be sure to subscribe while you're over there as well. Then share the episode and the podcast wherever you can on social media. Retweet it on Twitter, share it on Facebook, whatever you can do. And then be sure to tell us your thoughts, everything you covered by tweeting us at Friends of Film. And you can follow me personally on Twitter at MovieCooper and Coops underscore Hoops. And you can get at me, Josh, and just Josh Ryan. Thanks again for tuning in to the Friends of Film podcast. Josh. Thanks for stopping in, everyone. And be sure to turn it next week for our review of Solo, A Star Wars Story. <laughs>